Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> Word money. <clears throat> what does it do to you? You know, money is a very emotional issue for us. It's not an issue that we just um, <clears throat> look at and, and doesn't affect it. It actually hits us emotionally and makes us feel things. That's why we handle money badly sometimes, uh, because we're dealing with it emotionally and not dealing with it in a, as a straight line thing. Um, we, we deal with it from a completely different perspective. And the, the thing we all long for, we think we want to have a lot of money. That's not really what we need. What we long for is peace in this area of money. In other words, what we really need is not to win the lotto. What we need is to have enough. To have enough, to have sufficient, and to have peace about the whole thing. But you know, so few people have peace about it. Uh, somebody did, did, did this, and it was just uh, one of those, you know, the, <coughs> Uh, brainstorms on, uh, on the word money, what, what it brought out for people. Makes people feel uncomfortable, makes people feel embarrassed, makes people feel uh, overwhelmed, feel fearful, feel stressed, feel intimidated. Uh, for some people, it makes them feel excited, uh, anxious, emotional, uneasy, guilty, fraught, panic. And it, most of those words are negative because we have an actual, actually we have a negative relationship with money for the most part. Uh, it's a bear in our lives. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a burden in our lives. Uh, we long for it, but we never have enough for, uh, of it, so uh, we feel bad about it all the time. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to talk to you about money this morning. Right? And what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to switch off and say, oh, he's on that topic again, right? What I want to do is I want to try and help you. Uh, as far as money is concerned, help you to come to that place uh, where you have peace about money. There are several things that go into having peace as far as finances are concerned, but do you know there's one thing that is universal to all those people you know in your life that actually have peace financially, that actually feel comfortable in their skin when you bring this topic up? They're all givers. That's one of those key principles. You can't have peace uh, apart from giving financially. Let's bow in prayer and then we'll <clears throat> look at our passage. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, open the hearts of your people to receive. And Lord, that you'd open me and give me exactly those words that you want spoken. And blessed spirit of the living God, would you do your work in all our hearts this day. And help us to see money as you do and to be blessed and encouraged in Jesus' precious name. Amen. On a Wednesday evening, we have been studying through the book of Galatians. And um, it's a great book, the book of Galatians, because Paul is beating the drum uh, of grace. <clears throat> that it's not, by, uh, it's not by works, that it's not by law, that it's by grace. And, and he, he, he's very strong about it also, the book of Galatians. And in chapter 6, uh, he comes to the place where uh, he's wrapping up all that he's saying, and he's got some great things thrown in there. And then on Wednesday night, as we looked at it, I saw a passage that hit me a different way than it's ever hit me before. Now, Galatians chapter 6 deals with the issue of sowing and reaping, the passage we're going to look at. But somehow, and I've been studying the Bible for a long time, somehow I miss the fact that the direct context of what he's saying about sowing and reaping is giving. 
And for the first time, I saw it on Wednesday that the direct. Now, listen, that there are lots of other applications to this area of sowing and reaping. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap ever life, life everlasting. But the illustration he's using there is an illustration as far as giving is concerned. So let's read it. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. <clears throat> right? So what he's saying there is he's saying, listen, there's a law of sowing and reaping that kicks in, that applies uh, in this area of giving. And, you know, as I look back over my life, I can see that principle applied. There have been times, <clears throat> now I learned tithing soon after I got saved, right? And I began to tithe. But there were times when, <clears throat> when um, <clears throat> what, what, let's put it this way, when I was more generous than other times as far as my giving was concerned. And then there were times when I wasn't so generous. Now you're going to say, yeah, but you probably weren't generous because you hadn't got it. And I would say yes, but I would actually qualify it. Do you know the reason why I hadn't got it? Because I wasn't being generous. Because there's a law of sowing and reaping that applies. And as you give, God gives back. And somebody said, God's a great giver. You can't outgive God. And <clears throat> when we look... <clears throat> At the New Testament, we see this principle of sowing and reaping. But because it's money, and because we have this emotional connection with it, often a negative emotional connection with it, what happens for us is, when it comes to giving, we tend to tighten our hands. We tend to say, oh. Now, I understand. Not everybody here is like that. Some of you have gotten this principle down. You've gotten the, uh, the discipline of giving, and you, you, you enjoy giving, and you are blessed uh, in giving. And, and um, some of you give greatly. And as a church, we do very well. You just got to figure out that 8,000 a year is going to um, compassion. I think that's amazing. Well done. That is amazing. 8,000 8, a year. And you know what? You've done that with joy. Because you, you can see children and you can see meeting their needs and it's just a joy to you. But others of you struggle in this area. And I think all of us need encouragement in this area as far as giving is concerned. We need to be encouraged that, that we give because th there's a principle that applies here that as we give, God takes care of us. It's not a negative thing. It's actually a positive thing. There's a principle uh, of sowing and reaping. And we know when you talk about this principle of sowing and reaping, you sow a little and you reap a little. You sow a lot and you reap a lot. If you're generous with God, God will be generous with you. And I don't mean just in the area of finances. We're not talking a prosperity gospel here. I mean that when you loosen the strings and you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with this, you find that God can take care of you. And it's amazing what happens in your life. It's amazing how God can take the little and God can bless it and turn the little into a lot in your life. But you know what's always required of us? It's always required of us that we make that step of faith, that we trust him with it. 
All right, let me give you some principles here. Uh, first of all, the principle of giving is found all the way through the Bible. Uh, it's, it's not something that uh, was dreamt up by the church, and uh, it's something that's always been there. In fact, if we go back to the book of Genesis, we find Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. Uh, Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. I think we're dealing with Jesus Christ there. Uh, it's, it's a pre-incarnation appearance of, uh, of Jesus Christ. But uh, Abraham gave 10%. And then we find the law, and the law is laced with all these different times when the Jew was supposed to give. Somebody worked it out and said that if you actually worked out what they were doing, it was 30% of their income was going uh, in all these tithes and offerings that we're giving. And, and it was legislated in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when it comes to the temple, the money is being used in the temple to uh, supply the needs of the temple, to supply the needs of the priest. And then we find the Book of Malachi, an absolutely astounding passage. And God, God is complaining because they're not giving, they're not, they're not supporting the temple, they're not doing, doing, giving the, the tithes and the offerings. And God is, uh, is taking them to task on it. And He says in the midst of that passage to this disobedient people, He says, "Now prove me now herewith, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you." that you cannot contain if you will give the tithes and the offerings. He, he tells him, test me. Test me out in this area. <clears throat> um, and then we come to the New Testament, and Jesus has a lot to say about giving. Uh, he doesn't shy away from it at all. and He's, he's not looking for it, but <clears throat> you know what? He, he has a lot to say about giving. And when Jesus talks about giving, very often what he's doing is he's talking about it in this context, in, 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 in the context of uh, <clears throat> that your giving displays who you are. Your giving displays your character. Your attitude towards giving displays much about you. Right? <clears throat> and, um, and, and then we come to the epistles, like we're reading right now, and there's a lot there. As far as this New Testament age, as far as the church, a lot there as far as giving is concerned. Um, and Galatians 6, 6 there says, let him that is taught in the word communicate. That word communicate means their share, distribute. Right? Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And the idea is that as we give and as we, as we receive, we're supposed to give back. You know, the, the, the attitude, the heart of a Christian is supposed to be one of giving. Why is that? Because, because our Heavenly Father is a great giver. And He wants us to be like Him. He wants us to be givers. He, he wants us to be a people that give. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke 16, verse 10 through 12. He said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If, therefore, ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? What's he saying there? He said, if you're not faithful in, in your giving, in, in your dealing with your money and so on, then, then who's going to give you the real riches? And do you know that I think that we can hold back, and by holding back we can impoverish ourselves in more ways than financially? I think we can hold back... <coughs> Because it's our nature to say, I haven't got it. I can't. And I think what happens is we impoverish ourselves by doing it. <clears throat> um, secondly, it's very practical. See, in the, in the Old Testament, the upkeep of the temple and the priests was the people gave uh, their tithes and their offerings. And when they didn't give their tithes and their offerings, what happened was the, the temple and the worship fell apart. 
It's several times it happens in the Bible. One of the times is under Nehemiah. Nehemiah <clears throat> comes back. They rebuild the walls. They've, they've rebuilt the temple previously to that. And Nehemiah goes back uh, about his business. But when he comes back, the, the worship has fallen apart. And, and, and the people have stopped bringing in uh, the tithes and the offerings. And so what's happened is the, the worship is falling apart uh, in the temple. And... <clears throat> It, you, so it's, 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 it's a very practical thing that there's a giving that sustains the work of God. But do you know that the church of the living God is supposed to be bigger than itself? We're supposed to be larger than life, if you like. The church of the living God is supposed to have a reach that goes far beyond us. We're supposed to be able to meet our needs here, obviously, and then reach out and do great things. And that's the intention for the church. The church, if you like, uh, as an organization, is not like any other organization. First of all, Jesus says, I will build my church. It's his church. He's involved in building it. But he intends to use it to touch the whole world. But do you know the part of God using the church to touch the whole world is the fact that we need to give, that we need to reach out. So it's very practical, and the Old Testament was for the um, <clears throat> uh, temple, and in the New Testament, it's for the upkeep of the church, and, and it's a basic part of our Christianity uh, that we give. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> Sorry. Let me read it to you. Uh, if we have sown to you spiritual things, this is a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things. But if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? And <clears throat> the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament was there was legislation, there was law, there was rules uh, about this and how you had to tithe and what you had to give, and it was just part of When it comes to the New Testament, though, it's grace. Not law. Now think with me for a second. Do you think that grace would mean we give less than law? Or would grace, God's supernatural enabling in our lives, mean that we give more? See, we need to understand that, that grace means we're going to give more. And in 1 Corinthians 9, 14, it says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel uh, should live of the gospel. Do you, do you know the means for the gospel going over the world financially? And I realize there's a whole lot more than just financially. But the means for the gospel going over the whole world is the giving of the people of God. That, that's how God intended for it to happen. That, that, that was the plan. And we can get terribly pious and say, well, it's not about money. No, it's not about money. But, you know, if somebody's going to take the gospel uh, to some place where the gospel has never been seen, somebody needs to support them. That's always been the way. Do you know that if the gospel is going to go forward in power, the people of God have got to have faith and give so that God can do the work that he wants to do? Because it's very practical. It's very practical and very, sometimes, you know, what we do is, uh, you know, we make it all so very spiritual. And some of the things of God are very practical. There's a spiritual connection and a spiritual impact, but some things are very practical. Then, thirdly, it's a spiritual 
faith issue. You know that giving is a matter of faith. If you and I wait until we have enough to give, we'll probably never give very much. That's just the way it is. If we wait until we have enough, because nobody here is at the end of the month, you know, wondering what am I going to do with all the money I've got left over. You know, the, the reality is that uh, all the money that we have coming in for the most part is designated. It belongs somewhere. It's going somewhere. And, and it's not like we have money that's over and above. So when it comes to giving, there's got to be a faith issue involved in it. See, the Old Testament, Proverbs 3, verse 5, says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. So God's asking you to trust him, to depend upon him. We understand that. We trusted him when it came to salvation. We'd never seen our soul, we'd never seen heaven, we'd never seen hell, but somehow the Spirit of God had convinced us that we were sinners, that we had earned a place in hell, and we trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he do? He did a miracle. He saved us. He changed us. He did a work in our hearts and lives that's just transformed everything. And by the way, if you haven't been saved, it takes a great day to get saved. The greatest gift anybody's ever going to receive is the gift of salvation, and it's made free for us by the giving of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but he says to us, I want you to trust me now with something else. I want you to trust me and, and not depend upon your own understanding of things. And here's what you and I do. You and I look at what we've got, and we measure out what we've got, and rarely, rarely do we have over and above that we can give. But God says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't look at what you can see. Then a couple of verses later, he gives you this application. Honor the Lord with thy substance. That's with your income, with your money. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. And the first fruits would be the first portion. Increase would be all the money that comes into your home, all, all that comes into your home, the first fruits of all your increase. And then he puts a promise to it. He says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Do you know what God is saying to you there? God is saying, If you will give, I will bless, and you will be better off for giving. Now, that's not just a church looking for you to give money. That's scripture. That's what God is saying he will do in your life if you will trust him and give. Now, you have two cho choices there. I'm, I understand if, you, if, you, if you've not been giving regularly to the work of God, that can be a terribly fearful thing. And you can think, oh, have I did that? Oh, I, I, and you can just go into a panic about it. Or you can say, now, hang on a minute. If God is really saying that, then what do I do about it? How do I deal with it? And you see, here's the truth. If you refuse to give, you impoverish yourself. In the book of Malachi, they've stopped giving. And God tells them this. He says, you know, uh, the canker worm is coming and eating all your, all, all your stuff. Everything in your life financially is going wrong because you're not giving. He said, but I'll tell you what, prove me. Test me. <clears throat> Bring in the tithes and the offerings and see if I will not pour out a blessing that you can't contain. So what you and I can do is we can react carnally to this issue that, for the most part, terrifies us and refuse to give and end up being poorer for it. Or we can look into the face of a Heavenly Father and say, okay, now you're saying give. I don't have it to give. 
but you said give and you take care of me. I'm going to test you out and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to prove you in this area. And what we find is we find again and again the promise is attached to the command. And when you try it, God is good as his word. He always is. God blesses. God can make the 90% much more than the 100%. <clears throat> and you see, here's the thing I think is going on inside all of it. Do you know that God doesn't need your money? You just, you, you just shut, shut the whole thing in the foot, Pastor. God doesn't need our money. No, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need anything from you. But do you know what God does? God gives you an opportunity to engage with him by faith in an area that's very hard for you. And if you've done it and gotten victory in it, and you know what? Your faith has grown in this area. It's amazing. And it's like, you know, we know God is there because he promises I will never leave you nor forsake you. But, you know, in the area of finances, for most of us, it's the area when he's very clearly there. Because he said, do this, and I did it. And you know what? He showed up. But you know what? You don't get to see him show up unless you trust him in this area. You don't get to see him show up in this area unless you trust him. <clears throat> he wants you to trust him. Then, number four, it's a matter of sowing and reaping. <clears throat> Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. But this I say, sorry, <clears throat> so, so it's a matter of sowing and reaping. Now think about sowing and reaping with me. You, you, you might have a man with a bag of, a bag of potatoes, right? Uh, and there's seed potatoes, and it's the uh, beginning of, uh, of the sowing time. He's got two choices, right? Either he can take his bag of potatoes, which will keep his family going for maybe a month, maybe two months, or he can take his precious bag of potatoes and he can bury them all in the ground where all of those potatoes are going to die. But you know what he expects? He expects that if he does, they will bring forth many more potatoes. And if you've ever pulled up the stalk of a potato plant and seen all the, all the potatoes underneath it, it's quite a sight. So what's he expecting? He's expecting that if he risks the bag he has, it's going to give him more potatoes. That's the, that's the principle of sowing and reaping. He's expecting it's going to give him back more. So he's going to put down his one bag, and he's expecting that he's going to harvest, we'll say, 10 bags. One of those bags he's going to keep and plant next year, and nine of those bags he gets to eat. So he's going to provide food for his family. Very simple picture, but he's going to provide food for his family because he risked, because he sowed when sight said keep. Do you know the principle, same principle is true as far as finances are concerned? You can hold on to it. You can, you can close your fist tight about it. You can do just those things that people are screaming at you to do. But in the end, you lose. Because God says, if you sow, then you're going to reap. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. God, God says, you're, go, you're going to reap in the measure that you sow. And I get it. You know, with, with the negative emotional attachment we have to money, that's hard. 
But you know what? I think we know God well enough to be able to, at least falteringly, reach out and trust him and see what he's going to do. Because God always fulfills his promise. And when you hold on, you lose. And when you give, you gain. It's, it's, it's the principle of sowing and reaping. Paul gives us it again in 2 Corinthians chapter um, 9. He says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You know, God wants you to understand that if you sow sparingly, if, if <clears throat> folks, our natures are to be miserly as far as money is concerned. But God says, no, trust me. And, 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 and so bountifully, and see what I'm going to do. And then he says, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. There's an issue here as far as your giving is concerned. It can't just be whatever you got in your pocket on the day. There's an issue of purposing. You know, 10% is a great place to start. And, and you know, what you do is you say, okay, well, 10% is the first fruits that belongs to God, and you give that to God. But you purpose to do it. You know, if you don't purpose to do it, it won't happen. You know, if, if you're always intending to give, you'll always be intending to give and never giving. You have to purpose to do this thing. You have to plan to do this thing, right? And then he says, not grudgingly or of necessity, not because you're made. You pay taxes. If you work a job, you pay taxes. And you don't pay taxes because you like paying taxes. Uh, you don't pay taxes because you like those little brown forms that come from, from, the, from the revenue. You pay taxes because it's a tax. You don't have any option. You don't pay your tax. They're going, they're, going to make, they're going to make something of it. You don't have any option with taxes. And so here's what you do. You pay your taxes maybe grudgingly. You say, yeah, blah, blah. And, but, you, but you pay your taxes anyway because you've got to pay your taxes. God says, not like that when you're giving to me. He says, don't do that when you're giving to me. He says, don't do it grudgingly. Don't do it of necessity. It's not a tax. He says, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, here's how I get my head around this. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of money gets spent in our house in, the, in a month. You know, you buy, <clears throat> pay the mortgage, you, 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 <clears throat> you pay for the heating, you pay for the electricity, you, you pay, put petrol and diesel in the cars, you, you buy food. You, oh man, it's on and on and on and on. It's endless. And you're at the end of the month, it's all gone. All the food's gone, all the petrol's gone, the mortgage is paid for the month, it has to be paid the next month anyway. And it's all gone. You know, there's so much money that goes through your home that's just going and going and going. And I understand, you know. Listen, the mortgage needs to pay for the house someday. When I'm 70, sometime before I pop off, uh, I will own the house, all right, <clears throat> outright. <clears throat> but so much money just goes through your hands. And there's nothing of it left. And then you get to give money to God. And he which soweth... To the Spirit shall reap everlasting life. Do you know that's the best money I spend in the month? Without doubt. That's the happiest money. Let, let me illustrate it for you. Listen, our church are given 8000 uh, a year now to compassion for children, right? <clears throat> now, folks, nobody here had 30 euros extra a month that they were just looking for. But you know what they did? You, you purposed that you're going to give 30 euros uh, for a child. And, I, and if you're like me, I look at that 30 euros on my bank statement, and then I go... That's great. 
that's helping some kid. That's helping a little boy in Haiti. That's making his life different. You know, who knows where this is all going to end. You know what? It gives me a thrill in my heart, that money that's being spent that way. Yeah, the money that you give to God is the same thing. It's money that's, that's, that's not just gone. It's money that's invested. It's money that's stored up as far as heaven is concerned. Uh, it's money that makes me live with an eye on heaven. Because it's real. And, you know, I can give it cheerfully when I think about it like that. That's the, that's the best money that's spent in the whole month, that money that's given to God. And, that, and you need to get your head around that. Uh, you, you, you know, you need to stop thinking about that money like a tax. It's not a tax. It's not grudgingly. It's not, it's not a necessity. You need you to understand, no, it's given to God. It's blessing. It's, blessed, it's a blessed thing to give. For, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Do you know why God loves a cheerful giver? Because you're like him. You, listen, we're his children because we're born again by faith in him. But do you understand that, 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 that we're his kindred spirits when we're giving generously? His, his personality is in infecting our personality and making us want to give. That's, that's the truth. That's the way it is. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. And look what else it says, though, there in that passage. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. You know what's grace? Grace is God's supernatural enabling, God's power at work in your life in this context, right? God is, making, God is able to make all supernatural power abound towards you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Do you know that God's able to meet your need take care of you, bless you, give you so that you can keep on giving. God's able to work in your life to do it. And you say, oh, come on. He's no, listen, this is not uh, a plea for money. I will, I will talk to you about money in a minute, but this is not a plea for money. This is a, the principles of the Word of God that if you and I grasp them and embrace them, we enjoy the benefits of them. I, I would not be a good pastor to you if I didn't touch off this subject from time to time. Because we need to take this passage, as God says, it's not prosperity gospel, but it's God's way for looking after his children. Right? <clears throat> so it's a matter of sowing and weeping. Let me say this. A Christian who doesn't give can never get ahead financially. If you won't give, you can't get ahead financially. Some of you are in a bind. And part of the reason you're in a bind is because you won't give. Some of you have conquered this thing in your hearts, and we all have to conquer it in our hearts. And you've come to the place where you've seen the blessing of it. Don't be in a bind. Don't impoverish yourself by just closing your heart to giving. You need to give. I, <clears throat> then last point, and I'm going to talk to you about a couple of things here. Right? <clears throat> it begins with the church, but it reaches out from there. Uh, Galatians 6.10. As you have therefore opportunity... Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Do that God wants you and I to do good. He wants you and I to spread out and to do good to many people. He wants you to do good to each other. He wants you to do good uh, as far as the church is concerned. He wants you to reach out beyond that. And do you know that <clears throat> I love the church because the church is God's organization. And we are set to touch the world with him. And with his power, we can do great things. We can affect things and change things. Uh, <clears throat> I heard about a church recently. 
And um, they got a burden to start another church. So what they did was they put money aside and they got help with it. And they, they, they paid the expenses of a startup church for a whole year. All the expenses, the rent, the salaries, everything. They paid everything. And a year later, do you know that that church that they started is actually bigger than the church that, they, that started it? Now, that's a miracle. That is a, what that means is you had one church that can do a lot of good. And now you have two churches that can do a lot of good. If the one church that did a lot of good gets, gets, gets a burden and starts another church, and the second church starts another church, all of a sudden, where you had one, you have four. And you're going to say, well, that works in other countries, not in Ireland. That was in Dublin. That was in Leopardstown. That was accomplished in Leopardstown just in the last 18 months. <clears throat> do you know, I think we could do that. I think if LifeGate got a desire and a burden and a plan and started praying about it, I think we could do it. But do you know? It would take money. Oh, we'd have to give to do something. I think we could do something like that. I think we could actually impact some part of Ireland or somewhere else and see God establish a church. Wouldn't that be exciting to be a part? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be meeting here on a Sunday morning and knowing that in some other part of this city or some other part of Ireland, there's a church meeting that we had a, uh, we had a place in establishing and it's got a living life of its own and it's growing and moving ahead. Wouldn't that be great? Churches are supposed to do that. We can do that. We can do that. <clears throat> you know, um, we could affect some town, some village, somewhere, and change the life of those people. I, um, I was reading about <clears throat> supplying a well. Do you know that for $8,000, there's an organization that will uh, sink a well in a town or a village and train the people how to keep the well and how to look after it, and 2,000 people get fresh water every day uh, <clears throat> for $8,000. Now, folks, listen, fresh water is pretty important. I told you the stories about our well. Once our well goes down, you know what? Two or three days later, we, we stop living in our house because you know what? You haven't got fresh water. You don't have anything for cooking in. You don't have anything uh, for the bathroom. You don't have anything for washing in. You know, after, a few, after a few hours, listen, you are, you're moving out. Do you know there are people all around this world who are dying today because they're drinking water that's not fit for consumption? Children that are dying, and you could sink a well. That would change their lives. There's a whole host of things that you could do. You, you could, we as a church could meet the medical need in some town or area and, and, and change people's lives by doing that. We could meet an educational need. And, and there's so many things that we could do that would change the lives of people. And I understand, you know, you know people will say, well, well, charity begins at home. But, but do you know... Part of our problem is that we look at Ireland and, and we think we're poor and um, we don't have a lot. But do, do you know that poverty in Ireland is somebody who only has the 200 a week that the government gives you? That's not poverty. That's not poor. If you manage that well, you can live reasonably. There are people in the world who have nothing and, and, and we could impact their lives. We could change their lives. There are so many things that we could do. <clears throat> we, we can actually have an impact upon, upon the world, but we all have to give. 
Well, if you get this principle under, uh, under our belts and understand that we need to give and we need to give generously, and I think what we'll see is we'll see God do great things. Now, let me present you with a need the church has, and I'll explain. We're talking about our 2020 vision, right? I want us, by the year 2020, which is three months away, uh, to be clear and free and able to actually take on some of these projects. Right? And um, my heart is to do it, that in 2020 we will actually achieve some things uh, that we've never seen before. We will do some things that, that we've never done before. And I think we can do it. I think we're set to do it. I think we're blessed. And I think we can grow and we can do more and more. <clears throat> right? um, we have right now 15,000 shortfall uh, in our budget. We, in, in our budget, we included renting out that side of the building, and the, the renters left, and we haven't been able to rent it out since then. Now, honestly, I am not particularly worried. I know that God will take care of it, that God will, will meet the need. That he, he, he has met the need uh, always, so it's not like he's going to stop meeting the need now. But you know what? I have a burden that we take it on and that we knock it out of the way. So here's what. If 50 people will give 100 extra a month... We can see that thing gone by Christmas. We would start next year in the black, which I think would be really important if we were going to move forward. And, and, and let me throw a thought in for you. Um, and then if we're able to rent that side of the building out, we have 15,000 that we can devote to some project. Do you know what 15,000 euros could do in the world? If we would just, do you know what we could do in the world, if we would just get this principle down, we could actually impact our world in this day and age. We could do some great things. The challenge is <clears throat> that you would and get involved. If you're not giving, listen, prove God, trust him, test him on it, start giving. Take the 10%, put it aside, and give it to God. And listen, see what God does with it. See if what he's saying uh, is really true. Right? And if you are giving, would you step up and give some more so that we can clear this out of the way? And let's see what God can do through LifeGate Bible Baptist Church. Because we're going to start 2020 in just a very few months. And I want us to start it well. I want us to start it with some plans, uh, some things that we're going to do that are going to have a huge impact. But we need to, we, we need to conquer uh, this area first. All right, what we're going to do, we're going to keep challenging you over this. It'll be on the, uh, on the web page, this 2020 vision. But what we're going to do over these next few weeks is we're going to have different people come and give testimonies about giving. And um, we're going to challenge us all and encourage us all uh, to give, to get behind it, because we want God to do great things, and we can expect that God will do great things. So let's get behind it and become part of it. Esther's going to come at this point, and she's going to give a testimony as far as giving is concerned. And 